Hey Moth family, save the date for the Moth main stage on Saturday, February 27th at 7.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Join us and host Jonathan Ames for an evening of stories as five storytellers take the virtual stage and share a true personal tale from their life. Stories of glory and defeat, taunting fate, laughing in the face of danger, and the moments that forever changed the course. Buy tickets now at themoth.org slash virtual mainstage. Welcome to the Moth Podcast. I'm your host this week, Dane Wilburn. Look, the world is strange right now. Now, we don't all get along and we don't all have the same perspective on things, but I think we can pretty much all agree that this is a strange time we're living in. And with so much of this out of our control, the decisions we do get to make for ourselves become all the more important. So in this week's episode, we have two stories about getting your life together and taking matters into your own hands. First up is Ashley Johnson. Ashley told this story at a Washington DC story slam where the theme of the night was awards. Here's Ashley live at the month. originally from Merlin, and I knew at a young age that I wanted to be a professional actress. I was one of those weird kids who would lock myself in the bathroom and look in the mirror and make myself cry because I was getting prepared for all the dramatic roles that I was going to play. So I decided that after I graduated from college that I was going to move to Los Angeles. So three months after graduating, I moved to L.A., the place where dreams come true. Well, let's just say that things didn't quite work out how I thought they would when I got there. So I ended up getting a corporate America job. But it's okay, because I figured I could work in corporate America while pursuing my acting career and I wouldn't have to be a starving artist. So year one rolls by, I'm working in corporate America, not really doing anything acting related, but it's okay, because I just got to LA, still trying to find my groove. Year two rolls by, Got a promotion, not really doing anything acting related because I'm making money, more money than I've ever seen, straight out of college. Here three rolls by, here four rolls by, here five rolls by, and I am miserable. I did not move to LA to work in corporate America. I'm tired of sitting at that cubicle, so I quit. And I knew that there were three things that I needed in order to pursue a career in acting. I needed a good headshot, I needed training and I needed an agent. Had the headshot, was taking classes, doing the training, but I didn't have an agent. So I started sending my resume out to different agencies, my headshot and resume out to different agencies all over LA. And one day I got an email from an agency asking me to come in to audition. So the big day for the audition arrives and I get to the office building where the agency is and I'm greeted by the receptionist. She gives me two different scripts. One is a commercial script and one is a dramatic script. And she tells me that I have five minutes to prepare and that she'll come back and get me and take me to see the agents. So I prepare, I'm ready, I go in the room. I go through the commercial part of the audition, did a great job on that. I go through the dramatic part of the audition, did a great job on that. And I'm thinking I'm done. I look over to my right, 
Well, let me tell you how the room was set up. It was three agents, one on my right, one on my left, and one in the middle. So I look over on my right, and I notice that the agent has my resume in his hand, and he's staring at it a little longer than he should be. And he, his eyes stop at the bottom of my resume. He says, you sing? And I'm like, yeah, I sing, because I put it on my resume. And he's like, let's hear something. OK, pause right there. <laughs> Three days earlier, I was having dental work done. I've had a chipped tooth since I was a little girl, so I decided that if I'm gonna take my acting career seriously, I need to get my tooth fixed. So I decided to get a veneer, and if anyone, if you're not familiar with that, they pretty much shave your tooth down to nothing to put the permanent tooth on there. Well, at least that was my experience. So they did that, and they weren't able to give me the permanent tooth that day, so they gave me a temporary one, and they also gave me a plastic covering to, to, keep, to keep the tooth in place just in case. Back to the audition. <laughs> you sing? Yeah, I sing. Let's hear something. So I walk over to the agent's desk, and I take a tissue off his desk without asking, mind you, and I spit the plastic covering. <laughs> in the tissue, and then I sit it on his desk. I don't know why I did that. My nerves must have got the best of me. And I go back to the center of the room, and I proceed to sing, and boom. The tooth falls out on the floor. <sighs> I was so embarrassed. It was so silent in there, you could hear a pin drop. Well, in this case, you could hear a tooth drop. <laughs> in that moment, I had to make a decision. The decision, am I going to finish this audition or am I gonna run out of here from sheer embarrassment? Y'all wanna know what I did? I picked the tooth up off the ground, popped it in my mouth and sang my heart out. <laughs> so I'm happy to report to you all that I did end up getting signed by that agency. I was awarded a contract and they really didn't care about my missing front tooth after all, because as the saying goes in show business, the show must go on. <laughs> that was Ashley Johnson. Since sharing this story at The Moth, Ashley has published two books and wrote, directed, and produced a short film called Where's Mother? Ashley continues to write and act, and she says she's looking forward to sharing more stories for many years to come. For more information on Ashley's work, head to the extras for this episode on our website, themoth.org extras. Up next, Peter Laughter. Peter told this story at a New York City Story Slam where the theme of the night was names. Here's Peter, live at The Moth. My wife came out of the hospital room and her eyes were ringed with red. And I took her into my arms and we just both cried. <laughs> she was saying goodbye to my brother and we were taking him off life support that night after uh, about three weeks of him being in a coma. And we broke our embrace and she looked up at me and she said, I promised that I would name our first child either Edward or Edwina. And I looked at her and I said, oh, you better hope he lives through the night because you got to take that shit back. <laughs> and and I, I said that for two reasons, because one, I just didn't want to say the name Edwina for the rest of my life. 
And I knew with my karma as a shitty teenage boy that I was definitely having a daughter first. There was no question about that. But, but the second reason is that names have power, right? And I think I, I know this more than most people. And the day I realized it, I was in a, a bank in Mexico and I passed the teller a uh, traveler's check. It was 1991. Um, <laughs> and she looked at the traveler's check and she looked at my passport and then she disappeared. And I, I, I leaned over and I looked around and she was on the floor laughing. <laughs> and this was not a surprise. The name I was born with was Fracasso. And in Italian, fracasso means explosion or natural disaster, which is kind of fitting for my life. But in Spanish, fracasso means complete and utter failure. And in certain countries, which was new to me, but apparently Mexico is one of them, fracasso is synonymous with the word fuck up. So I could completely understand that if someone handed me a piece of paper that said, Peter, fuck up, I would laugh hysterically too. <laughs> but it was that moment where I realized, this is my father's name, a man who left when I was two that I have not seen since I was eight. He never paid child support, lied about his address, so we couldn't find the fucker you know, to actually contribute to my life. And here I am, I'm carrying this name, which with this horrible legacy. And so in that moment, I decided to take on my mother's name, which was an upgrade, not a big one. My mom's last name was Slaughter. But after witnessing people's reaction to my name and that by laughing so hard that they had to fall off their chair at their place of employment, no doubt, um, I, I realized it was time. It was time for me to really choose the woman's name who who had raised me, who, who had contributed the most to my existence and my, my adulthood. And so when I came home from uh, that six-month period in Mexico, and I saw my mom and I explained, hey, I made this decision. I want to take on your name. And she said, funny, funny you should, should mention that. I, uh, I've been thinking about dropping the S. <laughs> and I thought that was awesome. <laughs> So together, uh, I took on her name, and we together dropped the S. And I spent a lot of time thinking about, like, you know, I, at that time, I was you know, 20, 20 years old, and uh, I wanted to get my PhD in sociology and teach. And I thought that Dr. Laughter sounded a little bit too much like a pimp. And <laughs> yeah, so I went with the pronunciation Lauder. And uh, Peter Lauder sounded much better than Peter Fuckup. And um, <laughs> so life went on, and then I got married. And my wife, uh, who, who took on my name, thought that I was completely psychotic for using the pronunciation Lauder when it was spelled laughter. It was just like, that was just absolutely absurd. So she went by laughter and I went by Lauder and it was <laughs> totally confusing until much to my surprise, I found myself one day introducing myself as Peter Laughter. And when you introduce yourself as Peter Laughter, people react to you in a very, very specific and, and positive way. That, what a great name. You must be so happy. And <laughs> you know, when 50 people say that to you in a period of a month, you actually start to believe it, right? You, know, you start to take that on. And, uh, and so 
when my wife said that she was going to name our daughter Edwina, I knew that was a mistake. Yeah. And we talked about it, and we decided that we were going to name our child Eddie, either way. And um, I knew it was going to have a girl, and I worried about uh, the reaction to people, oh, it's a boy's name. And um, we spelled it E-D-D-Y, like a current moving in the opposite direction, because I wanted the magic of my brother and the magic of moving against the current to be part of her life. And I remember when she was about four years old, we were at a birthday party, and there was a magician who asked for volunteers, and she volunteered. And the magician said those words. Isn't that a boy's name? And I remember myself standing up, and I was angry, and I was waiting for this moment. I knew it would come. And my daughter at four just looked at him like he was a stupid idiot <laughs> and said, no, that's my name. <laughs> and I knew that the magic worked. Thank you. That was Peter Laughter. Peter told us that he and Ed were matched by the Big Brothers Big Sisters of America program when Peter was just nine years old. He said, Ed was the best man I knew, and it wasn't long after we met that we realized we had become brothers in every sense of the word. Peter sat down with his daughter, Eddie, to talk about how she feels about her name. Here's Peter and Eddie. So, Eddie. You were named after your Uncle Ed, my brother, who you have never met. And I've been wondering what the fact that you're named after a man, and you are a young woman, um, and how that, how that, you think that impacts you? It's, I know it's something that's really special to me, and I think it's really fitting for who I am. And I think if people hadn't, if, I think if people didn't bring up the fact that it's quote quote boy's name, I would have never thought about it. And I, but I even think the kind of like ambiguity of it is really important to me. And it's just like it feels very me. I don't know. It it does feel very you, and it's one of the things that yeah you know, surprised me ever since you were three, and up until now. 14 years later, you know, that it, 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 the name suits you. The, the thing, and I, I know I read into this because I loved your uncle so much, but I see so much of you in him. And it's not, I mean, clearly it's not genetic because we were not <laughs> genetically related, Ed and I, but, but your just, just intense curiosity was something that I saw in him. And when you latch on to something, you really latch on. Yeah, just uh, yeah, your desire to learn everything about some very, very obscure thing was something that he really shared. And yeah, um, yeah and had this, just this wonder in, in intellectual discovery, which, which I, I grew into, but I think that's something that you've always had, which is fascinating to me. That makes me really happy to hear. I, that makes me really happy. I remember when I was younger and you describing that I was named after him and just sort of deciding that because of that, I was like, is like a part of me from there. 
and I I feel very connected to him, even though I know about him, but in the only very abstract senses. Well, the other thing that I think about with your name, it's this constant reminder of what family uh, is or was for me and now is for us and our family. And because Ed adopted me as a little brother when I was nine, you know, I, I realized that family is what you choose, not with what you end up with. And that's been really powerful. Definitely. Yeah. So, yeah. And your name is a constant reminder of that for me. So, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Love you, kiddo. Love you. That was Peter and Eddie Laughter. To see some photos of Peter and his family, go to the extras for this episode on our website, themoth.org slash extras. My middle name is Scheherazade. Yes, 12 letters. Uh, she was the storyteller in 1001 Arabian Nights. And we are in no way related. And no, Scheherazade is not a family name. I didn't know I was a storyteller when I was an infant. My mother possibly didn't know I'd grow up to be one, but I totally get where Eddie's coming from. Sometimes your name isn't just what they call you, sometimes it's who you are. And from this Damien, I understand exactly what it means to be an Eddie. Before we go, we like to give a special shout out to all the Edwinas out there we think your name is lovely. From all of us here at The Moth, have a story-worthy week. Dame Wilburn is a longtime host and storyteller at The Moth. She's also the host of the podcast, Dame's Eclectic Brain. Podcast production by Julia Purcell. The Moth Podcast is presented by PRX, the public radio exchange, helping make public radio more public at prx.org. Moth Story Slams are back. Held on Mondays beginning in February, join us for our weekly Open Mic Story Slam competition. February's theme is Love Hurts. Throw your name in the hat for a chance to tell your story or just come to listen to stories of a total eclipse of the heart, kicked to the curb by the people or places or things you love or used to love. Visit themoth.org slash events to buy tickets now. That's themoth.org slash events.